Hey guys, I hope you're all well. Today I had the privilege of speaking to Caitlin McQuicken Bell about living in three countries, her running progression, and her amazing coaching academy that she's established, which has grown significantly through word of mouth. We also get to hear from one of her athletes, Tess, who has recently achieved something huge at age group nationals. Don't forget to rate the podcast five stars on Spotify and have fun listening to the episode. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wave Running Podcast. This is episode number seven. We're going through them pretty quickly. Um, we were just talking about how I've lost count already but i'm joined here by caitlin mcquilkin bell i hope i pronounced that correctly um yeah. sponsored by hawker and prepped hydration she's lived in three countries which is something we have in common and yeah i think this will just be a pretty cool conversation about a broad range of topics today and we're even going to get one of her athletes that she's coaching near the end of the podcast so stay tuned for that because she's achieved some pretty amazing things at the age of 16 or Caitlin can correct me later if I got that wrong. But yeah, I guess let's start off with, you know, giving us a brief rundown. Where were you born? How did you get into running and that sort of stuff? Um, So I was born in New Zealand in Palmerston North, which is the North Island. I guess I got into running. We lived on a farm. We had, I think, almost 300 acres. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but it was a big farm. And the earliest I remember I enjoyed running is when like my family would get on a quad bike and go around the farm to get like the cows and sheep and stuff I'd get off the quad and run alongside it like the entire time and it'd be in like a big like long rain jacket gumboots and I just I don't know I enjoyed running like that and then at school obviously the races were only because I only lived in New Zealand until I was about I think nine or ten um but then obviously I, I think just probably getting reasonably fit off running next to the quad bike around a farm I did pretty well I mean not a lot of people train at nine or ten anyway back when I was nine or ten they do now but um yeah and then I just realized I was kind of good at it and I actually liked it and then but running kind of took off more when I moved to Australia because a coach kind of he kind of saw me at a race and sent me a letter to start training with him so but yeah pretty much running around the farm in New Zealand is what got me started <laughs> yeah that's so cool like you said I think a lot of people are starting at a younger age now, but you know, back I say back in our day as if we are like really old, but I guess yeah. in our kind of generation, I don't think many people are starting as young as they are now. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool how you've been in the sport for a very long time. Cause you know, I've done a lot of research about running as well. And I feel like the more you're involved in it, the more physiological adaptations and stuff you get in terms of like more capillaries, more mitochondria and all that sort of stuff. And it's just good to be in sports for the long term if you want to go a long way so running is a long-term sport you should be thinking about longevity and yeah so when you were nine or ten you moved to australia and i believe that was queensland is that correct yeah we yeah we moved to queensland um and then lived in like brisbane but like gold coast kind of area but yeah it was queensland yeah that's cool and do you have any connections or have you ever run with the birth squad because that's the only squad that i know in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I ran for Bert in uh a few times when I came back from America um for like the club championships, I ran for them. And then also some Queensland Athletics relays. I think it was a three by one K state champs. I ran for them as well. But I knew some of the runners there um right quite well. So but yes, I have run with them a few times. I know who they are. Yeah, they're like insane. I feel like the standard of that club is I don't know. I feel like oh. the slowest runner is like sub 17 in the 5k still or something like that. But yeah, they've got really cool fast. 
yeah like adam fogg as well who i want to get on the podcast um down the line yeah talk a bit more about you know being a kiwi but also living in australia because i'm i remember you you were talking about how there were some complications in terms of making it an australian team but then you're from new zealand yeah um yeah so i was saying we moved to australia when i was probably i think like about 10 and then in 2015 um i ran the australian uh mountain running championships and top three qualified for worlds which is in wales later that year um in like september and no one had kind of i mean we didn't know really anything about the whole selection process we just saw that it was on and it was it like mount kutha like just like an hour away from where i live kind of in brisbane and so i went and ran it without really realizing like what would happen if like, I don't know, I just kind of ran it. I'd just come back from America to do my recruit visits, actually. So I wasn't like insanely fit, but I was just like, oh, it's a bit of fun. We'll go do it. And then, so I qualified because I came second. And so we got, I got sent the uniform and everything. And I think obviously Australia didn't realize I was a Kiwi and I didn't, I thought that's probably naive, but my family and I th- just thought if you like ran in a qualifier, you could run for that country. <laughs> um so then they emailed, I don't know how many days or a couple of weeks after I got the uniform later saying, oh, actually, we can't take you because you're not a citizen. And we were like, oh, yeah. Like it didn't even occur to us that that would be a thing. And then they were like, contact Athletics New Zealand if they'll take you. So we did. And luckily enough, they said they would take me, but we tried to see if I could do a dual citizenship um, or swap completely. And it was going to take so long if it even got like accepted. And then I can't remember who or where it was from, but there was talk of a two-year international stand down if I did swap. So I wouldn't be able to compete internationally for two years. And then Worlds was in like four, five months. So that wasn't going to work either. So, but luckily, yeah. So I had to go from New Zealand, but I mean, it was fine. But yeah, that was a bit confusing because we didn't really know. We should have probably looked into it more, but we didn't. But yeah, so there wasn't, I thought I wasn't going to go, then I was going to go, then I was going to try swap citizenship and possibly not actually compete. So it was a bit hectic, but we got there. And now I know that, obviously, I have to go for New Zealand. So <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, of course. And before we move in more to like the US and talk about the NCAA, I guess as a junior, before you went to the US, what was your highlight of your running career? And also tell us about like one big low that you had to go through. Um, I will highlight in high school, um, probably when I was in under 14s or under 15s, I think it was under 14s, so quite young, um, I won national cross country and 800 in the same year. And that was just because a lot of people were telling me I wouldn't win the 800 because like a distance runner, like cross country, but that was definitely a highlight. Um, but then probably in when I was in under 20s, just before I went to America, I was still, I think I was, I was still 16 at the time because I just turned 17 before I went to America, but um, it was under 20s at Australian Juniors and I got second in the 1500 to Jess Hull and second in the um, steeple as well. And the cool thing is that I, because obviously Jess went to Oregon, but we were going to go to Florida together. So that was kind of cool to come first and second. And like, I think like there's a photo of us with like, she captioned it like future teammates because we were going to go, but then um, she went to Oregon. But I think that's definitely a highlight would be the under 20 nationals. Um, but 
a low, I had really bad health issues when I was <clears throat> kind of like 15, 16. So like year nine and 10 ish. Um, I just ran terrible for two years. I didn't get injured, but it was just a whole, whole of health issues. Like we couldn't figure out the underlying issues. Um, lots of doctor's appointments. Um, and so that was just like two years of pretty low, especially because I'd gone from doing very well at nationals to just making it. And I think more so for me, the, is what other people were saying, like, oh, you're a flash in a pan or a one hit wonder or something like that. Um, I think that, so that didn't, add, that didn't help with the, everything physically that I was going through, but I'd say that that was a pretty rough time, but then we found like some really good, like doctors and physios, naturopaths, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that helped. And then I got back fine for when I was under twenties. So yeah, that's but, good. But did you like learn anything or try and, you know, take your mind off running a little bit as well and like reach out to friends outside of running to keep you sane a little bit during those times? Or were you still running, but just not performing at the level you wanted to? I think I was still, yeah. I try to think back. I was very, um, like driven, like I wouldn't go to, like I was fully invested in running. Like I wouldn't go to parties and it wasn't like my, my parents' choice. Like I just, I'd rather go to training or I think I was even late to like, it wasn't our formal. I think it was like a garbage bag formal in year 12, like a big last hurrah thing. And I had States that day and I turned up late to it because I was like, well, no, I have States. But like, but so I don't think I was still very invested in running. Um, I mean, my family was great and my like, training friends in the squad I had back then, um, they were very supportive because they kind of like knew like what was going on, but, um, yeah, I know I'm like, they definitely had a support system, but it was, um, rough for a while, but I also was competing in like horse riding back then. Um, I still have horses now, but I don't compete cause I don't have time. So I'd kind of also, yeah, just go and like ride my horse more, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, no, I just kept going and knew that one day I would kind of get out of it. And two years later it happened, but. It didn't feel like it was going to for, for a while. Yeah, plateaus can happen for quite a while sometimes. It's very, mm. you know, annoying and sad. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, you do get through it as long as you're pretty persistent and kind of yeah. stick with it. And obviously running is never linear. Like I talk about this pretty much in every podcast, but yeah, you kind of have to go through those ebbs and flows to get to where you want as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. just think of it as a long-term thing and don't stress too much when things aren't going your way because it's only going to be temporary I guess but yeah what year did you go to uni but more importantly I know that a lot of U.S. colleges hit up athletes and are really keeping an eye out on a lot of the you know Australian and New Zealand athletics and you know they they watch the championships and stuff and they're really onto it like everyone's messaging you at once if you do really well so talk about how you got recruited and, and when you went to the U.S. Uh, I started getting um I first at first I thought it was a bit of a like a a fake thing I think the first offer I got was through Facebook Messenger from like a guy from like Iona or Iowa State University I don't know and I mentioned to my coach at the time I was like oh someone's like I thought it was a joke or like a prank and then um because my high school coach in the later years was the same coach that Jen LeCay's had and obviously Jen went to Florida as well and he was like no that's legit you need to follow that up um and that was at the end of 2014 because I'd won the under 18 national steeple and I think I was third in the 15 the next day so I'd done pretty well so I had offers start then and 
but then obviously I was going to do I did like part-time uni the next year because I wasn't quite sure if I actually wanted to or where I wanted to go but yeah they just were um especially after junior nationals um and states like because 2014 nationals is December and then juniors is March like a few months later but um they just messaged me on Facebook I think all of them were through Facebook messenger um and I think one or two from somehow found my coach's email but um yeah and they just all pretty much said the same thing like watch your progress and what they offer and want to do a, a Skype or a Zoom call oh we didn't have Zoom back then yeah there's a Skype probably what I'm missing but um yeah they just sent messages and then I, I like researched like ones I really didn't know what the NCAA was or you know what Div 1, Div 2 meant and the different conferences but um, the ones that look like they had were doing I looked them up the ones that I like the look of or the coach I Skyped with quite a few of them um, and then kind of had to narrow it down to a few to go visit but yeah it was just through Facebook they recruited um, and then I went over like halfway through 2015 which was a month before I was meant to go to Worlds in Wales that was in September of 2015 and so I think I flew out the day just the day after I turned 17 um, because my birthday is like 12th of August I think I flew out the 13th or the 14th so I was yeah just 17 so quite young but what can you do <laughs> yeah once I yeah. realized I wanted to go I wanted to go like, as soon as I could so yeah for sure and I remember you said you were in Griffith University for exercise science or something for a bit as well when where did that come in uh yeah I did that yeah that of sorry I did that at Griffith in 2015 before I went yeah, but I could only do part-time because if you do full-time, you start your, um, like you've started your f- eligibility as like a college athlete, um, like your timer starts. So they just kept saying, yeah. make sure you do full-time because if you want the full four or five years, if you like get injured in America, um, if you want the full four or five years, you can't have started your clock elsewhere. It might be different now, but if you were part-time, you hadn't technically started because if you'd done a year of full-time here then you'd already have you'd only have like three years left but so yeah I can only do part-time um otherwise they were like you can't have your full-time over here so yeah true yeah I'm never gonna understand the NCAA like eligibility thing it's so complicated especially since COVID as well where people lost a few years and got a bit of eligibility back and stuff like people were there for like five or six years now as well so yeah it's pretty interesting to see but yeah so you ended up going to Florida yeah, pretty well-known school in the U.S. for <laughs> their athletics and I think academics as well. I'm not too sure. I, I haven't looked into yeah. the American universities too much. But yeah, obviously a few big names as well. Like you said, um, Genevieve Gregson was there doing steeple, I believe. But yeah, did you ever get to meet her as well? No, I didn't get to meet Jen. She graduated, I think, a year or two before I went over. Uh, but I had the same locker as her because it has a little kangaroo on it. Um but I did talk to her like through Facebook Messenger the first year a few times just about the like settling in and the process because she had had a, she had the same kind of coaching staff that I had when I first went over. So we're just kind of talking about like that and how she found things and any um, help, which she was really helpful with because I was kind of going a bit crazy the first like few months over there just because it's so different. So it was good to talk to her who'd like another person like from Australia that'd been there done that with some insight on a few things but 
Um, but no, I never actually met her, but we've spoke, we had spoken a few times about it because I, yeah, just some, some help was uh, needed. So she was great. Yeah. It's nice of her to take the time to kind of share her experience with other people because I feel like most of the time when you're doing stuff, it really helps when someone's already gone through it and can give you advice. But yeah, yeah let's quickly talk a bit more about like the process of moving countries and stuff. So obviously one thing we have in common, you were born in New Zealand and, you know, moved countries at nine or 10. I think I moved countries when I was eight or nine. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, I also moved countries again for university like you. So let's talk about our similarities and differences in terms of experience um in terms of like was moving countries at nine or ten harder or moving countries at you know 17 18 which one was harder for you definitely seven 17 18 yeah it was definitely harder to move in the mid-teens is that what you found as well yeah 100 percent. because i feel like when you're nine or ten you can you start the phase where you can easily make friends and stuff and like you got so much time left in school so yeah, I didn't yeah. feel like it was that hard. And I was, I think a lot of kids are pretty extroverted and like talk to everyone. But yeah, yeah. moving countries where you don't really know anyone there um, at that sort of age, like, you know, if you are sort of introverted, because I would say I am an introvert at heart, I found it pretty hard to be the first person to take the step to, you know, start a conversation and stuff. Because if you don't, then everyone in Australia or a lot of people already have friends from high school because there's not many internationals. So I feel like you get left out if you don't make the effort yourself, if you're an international. So yeah, I found it pretty tough, but also in terms of like culture and stuff too, because, you know, I've lived in, lived in Asia my whole life and then I had to move to Australia, which is not too far, I guess. And there's a lot of Asians still, but yeah, still a bit of a change. And even in terms of price, everything's more expensive compared to Thailand, which is where I spent a lot of my teenage years. So yeah. How about you? What were your main difficulties moving into the US? Um, probably the missing my family part. Um, someone had told me that the first six months to a year, if you can stick that out, it gets easier. So I was really trying to at least make it to a year. But yeah, I missed them a lot. And also the actual running side of it, because you had to do everything as a team which is great like I do miss like the team aspect of college because you didn't get like you always had someone to do a shakeout with lifting with a run with session but um but first because I trained like on my own with my coach plus like maybe one other person every now and then for the last two years of high school so then moving over where everything is so structured but also like we had specific paces we had to do long runs at and easy runs at and like certain groups you had to run with and um, you had to like you had to lift after or before a session whatever they said and just like that there was no negotiating I really struggled with that Um, and the mileage was like double days which I hadn't done in high school before and I mean I ultimately got injured my freshman year and was out for that whole year which is how I was in America for five years because I redshirted my uh, freshman season apart from indoor I think because I was oh no apart from cross country but um yeah no it was definitely the new on look of like on training it was so different it was treated more like you're a professional even though you're just like a young like not a young but you're a teenager but it's like everything was so like heightened and like so important and they're like a bigger picture like if you didn't compete well could have an impact on like the other 30 people in your team and then the coaches like 
you know, job and all that. Like you want to do well because you don't want to let all these other girls down or have the blame put on you. Like that's what I found really hard. Especially coming in as an international athlete, you kind of get the feeling that because they want you here and they're like paying for everything, like you have to perform. And my first college race wasn't great. And I was just like, I can't even do like the first, but it was just really hard emotionally. Um, Making friends is great. Like the team, we clicked really, really well, but yeah, it was definitely hard. Probably I was more like hard on myself than I probably needed to be, but I just, it's kind of how I felt like I had to go out here and do all this amazing things for the coaches and the team. And it didn't necessarily happen that quickly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember you told me how like the NCAA either makes or breaks you, which is mm. like a thing that a yeah. lot of people tend to say. And you can kind of see even from the outside as well, like some people go there and really thrive and, um, you know, rise to the occasion and benefit from the training and all that. But some people mm. definitely do struggle, which is, you know, tough to see because the training that you do get put through and the pressure that is there, you know, and it's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's just like, you're kind of there and you're part of this team. And I feel like the NCAA is quite team-based, even though it's an individual yeah. sport, like you want to compete for your team. So yeah, I feel like there's like this natural pressure that you, that there is for you to perform. And yeah, it's not easy on everyone, but I'm sure it also does make you a tougher person mentally if you kind of get through it. But um, I remember you also talking about how when you finished college, it was like quite abrupt because it was right when COVID was starting. But do you want to talk about how it randomly ended? Yeah, we were, because I was still due to have an outdoor season for my senior year um, in 2020. And I was doing my internship at like a physical therapy um, place on campus. And we got a message from our head coach, um, Mike Holloway. And it was just that, I can't remember like word for word what it was, but basically that like outdoor seasons like canceled or yeah, I'm pretty sure outdoor seasons um, canceled. Uh, seniors um, and international students, like you're free to go. Uh, we had that afternoon and night to clear out our lockers because they were closing it down because of COVID. They didn't want it to spread. And one of our academic advisors had caught COVID and it wasn't really on campus yet. So they shut down all our academic buildings, our tutoring buildings. Um, and then there was like a deep clean and they were shutting down like our athletic center um, where our locker rooms were. So we had that afternoon to get all our stuff out. Um, didn't actually get to say goodbye to him, my coaches. Like I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone because um, that morning we were just doing a, normal, a session like normal. Um, and then I you know, went to classes, internship, and then never saw anyone again. Um, so that was quite hard, especially moving back when I got back to Australia, because it was a few months trying to find like flights and because they were getting cancelled and then the connections were cancelled. And so it took a few months to actually find a flight, but um, you yeah, had to like help go off campus. And yeah, that was that. It was literally just like, there's nothing really to do except get your stuff and go. Um, so I didn't get the last outdoor season either. Um, so yeah, it was just very abrupt and it took me a while, even when I moved back, got back to Australia to like accept it. Like I felt like I'd, un like it wasn't finished or like I was about to go back and finish the semester, but it, it never happened. So yeah, that was definitely, I think, and probably similar to like how you like moving countries. Sometimes you don't always get to put down roots um, or like you just get comfortable and you're moving again. And I think that that's what made the move back so hard is because I'd spent five years 
so close to like teammates and coaches and then to have it all ripped away and then not even like closure goodbye kind of thing that just that was just emotionally it was really hard moving back um and then COVID obviously everything got shut down so it was just like everything was like went from like up here to like stopped so yeah it was quite interesting sure. <laughs> very tough because yeah it, it was just so sudden but yeah I guess that leads one kind of nicely to what you're doing now because you're obviously a coach and I guess founder of the CMB Running Academy which is like a pretty big squad um obviously CMB stands for the initials of your name I assume but you have I think it's 40 athletes is that correct yeah Yeah, that's so much and um I guess you're full-time coach right now you're you got the accreditation from Athletics Australia as well because you did that course I think which I want to ask more about later but yeah talk about how that started when it started because I assume you didn't do it before NCAAs so those few months where we left campus and was trying to trying to find a flight home um I was yeah I started I was just going to do like online coaching just like because for those few months to keep busy because there wasn't really anything to do um and obviously didn't have a job because like you weren't allowed to work when you're in the NCAA or have any kind of income so I was like well I want to try start making some money but also just do something that I like because there's just nothing to do and I think there was a couple of interests um like online but then like I really wanted to actually coach like one-on-one because um, obviously I couldn't in the NCAA and so when I moved back I reached out to the local little athletics I never did little athletics but there's a track kind of near where I live and I asked them if I could like use their ground if anyone rocked up to some of my coaching things. And they said yes. And then they said that they would put like a little plug out for me on their website, even though I never went to their little A's, which is like lovely of them. And um, so I think probably halfway through, or yeah, halfway through maybe like July, August of 2020 is when I did like a very, very, very first session and two people came and yeah and then just word of mouth because like I never really advertised it anywhere I didn't have any like flyers or post it on my socials because it was so small I was like there's nothing to advertise yet <laughs> um but they this word of mouth got bigger and bigger and um yeah it's just grown so big and it's like my the, what I was like wanting when I first started coaching like I wanted to coach like the elite level high school teenagers, the ones that want to go you know, states, regionals, nationals, all that. But I, I thought it would take like five years to get to that. So I was just, anyone who wanted to come run, like I'd be happy to coach them. And so the fact that how fast it's growing and um, how like much like dedication all the, the kids and the parents and everything have and what I envisioned for like five, six, seven years had happened in the first year. So it's just blown my mind how big it's gotten and how like on board everyone is with like the process and um because like I'm still new to coaching like I've only been back in Australia three years as well so how patient as well because I'm always learning as a coach like on the other side of the athlete coaching bench like being both has really taught myself as an athlete like a lot um and yeah no it's just it's it's great I love it so much (laughs) yeah um when and how did you get the accreditation for coaching um, I did the level one um, last year sometime. And then I did the level two earl- earlier this year or late last year. Yeah. Because um, you can go up to level, there's like level one, level two. And then there's 
four is like advanced one. Um, there are level threes that I want to look at, but I have to find a weekend that I'm free for it because it's over like a whole weekend. But um, they were really interesting. We had Peter Hannon, um, so Sally Pearson's coach's husband, um, was doing the level two and he was great. There's a lot of like tips and stuff that he's kind of said that I'm just like, I never thought of that. But they're, oh, they're, they're really fun. They're really hands-on. Um, we learn about like all the events, which I never thought I'd learn about sprinting or throwing, but I could maybe teach like a beginner how to chuck a discus now, which I never thought I would, but um, yeah. no, they're great courses. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure like a lot of it was also stuff that you knew already, just because you're quite experienced with running. You've done it for a long time, but I guess it's nice in a sense to have like an accreditation under your name, just so that you know, you can prove that you know the stuff, even though you already do without the certification. But yeah, yeah. it's kind of good to have that if you are a coach. And yeah, I guess, you know, when someone hears that you have 40 athletes, some people might think, you know, is there a sweet spot in terms of like, you know, coaching a few people and like that many people? And I'm sure you're managing it like really well. But do you think there's a sweet spot or are you happy to like take on even more than 40? Well, even though there's 40 in the whole squad, because I coach every afternoon um, and Sunday morning. So Saturday is the only day I don't coach. But um, like each day, they don't have set days, but just on like locations and where people live, each day there's probably 10 to 15 at each session because like usually like Monday and Wednesdays are the same group and then Tuesday, Thursdays are like the other group. So it's kind of like split like into half or thirds or what quarters I'm not sure but um so yeah at the most at training there's probably only well not only but it's probably about 15 so it's a bit more manageable because yeah 40 would be hectic uh, all at once but um but there are I can often run two sessions at once though because I do like to keep it individual because there's some that do well off high mileage low mileage or where they're at different ages and how long they've been running but um so yeah it's not I do like to keep it more individual and I'll group some people up if they're like, depending on where they're at in their running. But, but yeah, I mean, it's growing a lot recently as well, but um, I haven't hit the point where I'm like, I think I need to start putting the cap on it, but I definitely wouldn't want it to get where I can't give everyone equally what they deserve or like the attention they deserve equally. So if it starts to get to that, then yeah, there might have to be like a cap that I put on just so that it's fair to everyone. But um, I haven't reached that just yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good to hear. And yeah, I'm sure it will continue growing. But looking at your stories on your like CMB Running Academy page, it just looks like you're still at the stage where you know every single one of your athletes really well because you know mm. all the stacks and all that and like what they went through to get to that result and stuff. Because yeah, you post on your story quite often on that account and it's very individualized and you give like a fair amount of shout outs to all your athletes. And I think it's pretty cool to see that because, you know, when I first found out that you coach, I was just thinking of like just other generic coaching services, but I can see easily that, you know, compared to other people, you're taking it super serious and, and, you know, you've been through a lot yourself as well. So you kind of know what the athletes are going through, which is also a cool experience to have, which is, you know, separating you from other people that haven't gone through all that because, Another cool thing that I saw, which we'll talk about with Tess, who's coming yeah. on in a bit as well, is um, that I'm pretty sure you guys both at different points, obviously, because you're different ages, 
um, won the under-18 steeple, the 2K, and also in that same meet came third in either the 1500 or 3K or something like that, right? Which is yeah. kind of cool. Talk a bit about that. That's like a cool coincidence. Yeah, I was actually my um the very, very first coach in Australia, um, Brian Chapman, that I had, um, he came up after her race, actually, we're in the grandstands. And he's the one who pointed that out. He um said he's like, I think he said he's like, I think I think you're the only coach athlete duo history in history that I can remember that had won the same event. And then um Brian's been oh, Brian knows so much. So I was just like, you're probably right <laughs> if you think so. But then yeah, when it turns out it was the exact same age under 18s. And then almost the like exact same time, like I think it was two seconds apart, but even the milliseconds were so similar. Um, but yeah, that was just really funny to like full circle look around on um, that. Yeah. But yeah, he pointed that out and I was like, oh, that is a bit weird. Quite, It's, it's cool, but yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's a super cool full circle moment. But I guess another question that came to mind when we were talking about that is like, you've done a lot of different events. Um, mm-hmm. What is your favorite i feel like you did tell me that you like you've had more success in the ends of the spectrum so like the 800s and stuff and also like did you say 10k or something but talk about that yeah i've done my middle distances have still been like i don't think i've reached my potential in those (laughs) but yeah the 800 i really like the 800 but i also not so i never used to but then last year when i started focusing on cross country to try make uh, world cross country started doing a lot more 10ks and now i actually really like 10k and cross country but so i think yeah right now which i never thought i'd say the 800 and the 10k are probably my favorites which is a really odd combination but um yeah <laughs> yeah not everyone can say that like i yeah. feel like all the yeah the elite athletes that i'm watching like on the lady side you know just for 1500 5k um abby caldwell 1500 800 i'd say and yeah. yeah it's like pretty specific i feel like easy bad dog is pretty good at like you know five ten half and stuff like that so you kind of specialize in terms of like closer distances not like the engine mm-hmm. spectrum so that's something yeah. unique you have which is pretty cool and yeah we'll get on to test soon but as a final question because like i said at the start when i introduced you you're supported by hawker or sponsored and also prepped um when did those come in? Because obviously during the NCAA, you probably weren't supported by them because you're not allowed to. Um, so was it right after? Yeah, it was in the, again, that few months period where I was waiting to find a um, flight home because I technically graduated and I wasn't like a part of the NCAA anymore. I wasn't going to compete in the NCAA ever again. So yeah, it was in that, um, those few months before I went home and they were so good. Like they... I think because prepped was very new um, when I've, uh, they've, had, they've got like some like Michelle Jenneke and Rose Davies, Izzy Bat Doyle now, but back then it was very, very new and Hoka wasn't as big in Australia. It's getting bigger now, but so they were really great at like jumping on board as well. And when I got back to Australia, like I had it all waiting there because they already sent it. So when I got home, it was like Christmas, I got to open up like everything. And it was just like encouraging because I was like sad to leave America, but in a way I felt like I had stuff waiting for me, like not stuff waiting for me, but I had some tools and stuff to like get straight back into running. Um, so they were, it just yeah, helped the transition a bit more knowing that I had people and things supporting me already back in Australia, even though I hadn't been there 
for like five years pretty much but yeah no that's it's great <laughs> what's your favorite shoe by hawker right now oh the rocket x2s they're, they're like road flats like racing flats um they have, have like the carbon plate and the meta rocker i'm pretty sure they're kind of like their version of the nike like vapor flies or alpha flies but yeah they're really they're probably my favorite ones for sure <laughs> yeah i popped my foot in one before in like a store and yeah it's super soft i feel like it's pretty good and i've heard a lot of good stuff about it and some people are saying it's better than the vaporfly which is pretty cool so it's nice to see all the brands sort of catching up to nike in terms of the performance shoes and i feel like training shoes all the other brands have always been better than like your peg 38 or whatever so yeah i guess let's get tests on now because um i want to ask her a few questions too all right (laughs) so now we're joined by tess um after a little bit of break but yeah, can you quickly tell us about how you got into running? Yeah, so from like a young age, I was, I joined like little athletics and just learnt like the basic, I guess, like running form and like skills. And then from there, just got more competitive and um, just competed at school competitions. And yeah, just, I guess, started to increase like the training load and started to like enjoy it more and yeah and what other sports have you been into or have you always been really focused on running um no I've tried a few (laughs) I've um played a bit of soccer and then a bit of netball as well so yeah a few team sports yeah when did you join and get coached by Caitlin um I think it's been just over two years maybe nearly three years and yeah um because I was sort of getting trained by my parents or just training with another friend and I guess wanted to go to that next level and get some help (laughs) professional (laughs) help and coaching and yeah it's pretty cool to see how you develop like a nice you know friendship outside of running as well with Caitlin because obviously you're spending time with her outside of training here yeah but what's like your proudest achievement that you've gotten in running since you joined Caitlin's academy um I would have to say nationals this year um just being able to I guess put it all together and have a good race a good couple of races because yeah it'd been a while since I'd been able to do I guess like what I'd been working hard for and yeah is that um, the 2k steeple and the 3k or something yeah yeah those yeah. two yeah, yeah so gold medal and bronze medal in the in those two events which is pretty cool and Caitlin obviously you saw that live right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I was in Brisbane too. yeah cool and um yeah, what were you thinking throughout the whole time? Well, the 3K was first. Um, it was like the Friday night, afternoon, oh, night, I think it was. Yeah. And um, the age group's very fast. <laughs> and just in Queensland alone, is it's a very, very strong age group. And we were a little bit more focused, I think, on the steeple the next day because she got second the year before. So we were quite hoping to, you know, just have a good run the next day because... Um, yeah, the steeper was probably one of her favorite events, but then we're like, just 
let them drag you on the 3k and see what happens and just hang, just hang yeah. on yeah and um she'd been training really well and so like I knew that the fitness was there is just how it falls on the day and where our head's at but um yeah the halfway through there was kind of a there was a big group of them and she was still there and I was like oh no she's hanging on pretty well and then I think that group split up maybe like a k to go and there was a girl from Victoria kind of way out the front and then there was a group of like three or four and then 600 to go another Queenslander went and then like Tess went with her and I was like oh okay <laughs> and then yeah they both closed so fast and kind of pulled away from a fourth and fifth and whoopsie, and yeah I was nerve-wracking I was like has she gone too soon or but she's pretty good at reading races and how she feels so I was like if she's gone she feels okay but yeah I was nervous I was just like oh, I hope you haven't gone too too soon or, <laughs> I hope you like like I'm big on them like believing in yourself like just you can if you can hurt in training you can hurt in a race like pushing yourself mm. but yeah and then the time I don't think I was even really worrying about the time or looking at the splits and then when I saw it and it was quite a big pb I was like holy moly but yeah I was nervous but like I knew she had it in her like afterwards I was like I mean looking back at the training that makes sense but yeah, it's good that sure. she could see what like I was seeing in training and to give a bit of context to the listeners um how old are you right now, Tess? And what are your PBs? Because I'm sure a lot of people will be amazed at what you've run at your current age. Um, I'm 16. And my 3K PB is now, is it 9.42? 9.40. Um, My 2K steeple is 6.47. Um, 1500 is 4.32. And yeah, that's about it. And I think it's fair to say that every runner has gone through, you know, injuries. You kind of have to go through it. And I feel like a lot of them come in your like early years and then you slowly get more adapted to it. But what has been like a struggle or like an injury that you've been through to kind of get to where you are? Um, I had to have a bit of time off maybe like one to two years ago it was I got a stress fracture in my my leg yeah um but I guess I just got through it by cross training um just staying fit that way and then I was able to come back pretty quickly yeah and obviously you have a coach that's been to the U.S. for college um I'm just wondering do you want to follow her footsteps and are there any dream colleges that you're looking at or are you happy to just see which coaches reach out and then see how you go? Um, yeah, it would be, I think it would be a pretty good opportunity. I've heard like a lot of good things about it from Caitlin and um, yeah, I think just see what happens and yeah. For sure. It's cool that, you know, Jen Lacaz has helped Caitlin and then now Caitlin's going to help you. So there's like yeah. a whole string of, you know, generations yeah. of runners from Queensland kind of helping each other out. So, yeah, it's cool. I think the more years that go by, the more of that there will be. And it's going to get easier and easier for Australians to transition to the US. Because like we talked about earlier on in the podcast, it is a bit hard to move countries and stuff. But, you know, the more people that are familiar with it, the better. So, yeah. And I guess, tell me a few hobbies that you have outside of running. I'm sure there are a few. 
Um, outside of running, I just like to, I don't know, have a bit of downtime maybe. Um, just working around like training. School. Schoolwork. Yeah, schoolwork. <laughs> Getting schoolwork done. That's not a hobby. Okay. <laughs> um, and just spending time with family and friends and yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Well, yeah, that's about all the questions I had for you. And I think you answered that very nicely. You're prepared for all the interviews that you'll have when you go to the NCAA <laughs> and win some championships there. Because <laughs> you will be interviewed then. But yeah, I guess, Caitlin, to wrap up the podcast, can you please talk about what you have coming up in the near future, what you're targeting also in the near future next year or so? And yeah, have you had any like recent injuries or anything? Yeah, I just... I'm just coming off one, really. I uh, got a stress fracture in my fibula, fibula, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce that, <laughs> um, in November last year. Um, it was quite in a, like I had probably been running on a stress reaction or probably a minor stress fracture for a while, but I'd never, I've never had a stress fracture before. Um, so I kind of just didn't think it was one. So it was quite a bad when I actually did. I was in, in the middle of state 5K um, is when I think it actually fractured a lot more because it suddenly like got like, yeah, it was so painful. Um, and I just stopped running. And so, yeah, that fractured. But I, and then I had an ankle ligament, I forget what one it was, that also took, that was really, that was probably one of the also the most painful things that they both kind of went at the same time. And even putting socks on the next morning, like anything, like a blanket that touched my foot, it was so sore. But yeah, so I had a stress fracture last year and then a few, a couple, and then I was in a moon boot, obviously. And then I'd kind of done that up a bit too tight, I think, um, because then I started getting this pain in my calf and I said to the kids at training, they probably thought I was the worst because I kept complaining. I'm like, I have the worst calf cramp. Like it's so painful. I was going on and on about it. And then it got to the point where I was excruciating. felt like someone was like screwing like something into my calf. And so then I called up the hotline. They're like, I think you need to go to hospital. It turns out I had a blood clot in my calf and um, they think it was the, from the moon boot being up too tight. So I kind of did that to myself, but yeah, so the, but the, I think as a fracture was bad, it took a long time to even be able to walk on it. And so, but I, I'm running again now. So I think I started running again, I don't know, probably a couple months ago, but did a lot of cross training, swimming. And I, I always had a negative look on cross training, I think, because in America, um, if you were asked to do cross training, it's because the coach thought you were overweight. Like we, there's a joke that we would call it fat camp. So I always had a really bad on look of cross training so really did not like it but obviously it's the only way you can keep fit when you're injured but um so yeah doing a lot I started doing Pilates that's helped a lot uh, with like my form and everything now when I'm coming back I can notice like a big difference but yeah the leg took a while because between that the ligament and the bone there was just a lot going on in that lower leg um but yeah so but I had my first race back it was like a week or so ago. Um, it was state short course cross country. So it was only 4K um, on like a really tough course. And um, I won that one, which was kind of nice just to see where my fitness is at right now. Um, it was fun to be back out there, but then I'm kind of dealing with like some shin splint post-tib 
flare up. So I kind of didn't really run the week before that or really last week, like the week after it, because that's just getting a bit angry. I think just because like my form has changed and my footfall is slightly different. So there's muscles that aren't getting used or getting used. But looking ahead, I think I'm doing the 10K at Gold Coast Marathon, um, <laughs> like the festival thing, which with a, I've only done like two 10Ks in my life. So that'll be pretty new. Um, and then New Zealand National Cross Country again in end of July um, to hopefully go towards the next one because that didn't happen because of my injury because there's another world cross country uh, in Croatia next year so um, yeah I'm just going to try go for that again because I feel like I have unfinished business because my season got cut short <laughs> yeah and it'll be cool because you live in Australia so you know a lot of the elite runners in Australia that might go to that mm -hmm. as well but you'll be competing for New Zealand so familiar faces but like rivals in that competition kind of thing, which will be fun to see. And yeah, talking a bit more about that injury, I think you said it was like an anterior talar fibular ligament. Yeah. Yeah. Based off of like research, because I knew this before anyway, like lateral ankle sprains are like the most common form of injury just because the outside of the ankle, which is known as the lateral side, is yeah. a bit more prone to being rolled because there's less like protective structures and also ligaments holding it together. So, yeah, super common injury, but like it, it really hurts. I from what I hear, and yeah, it must have sucked. But I'm glad that you won that recent race and you're kind of finding your feet again. Um, yeah. Even though you have a bit of post stuff as well now, but I feel like <laughs> running is about like training a lot and then getting a niggle, and then you naturally change your form because your body knows where you're feeling niggles and you don't want to load that part up. And then when you change your form, you compensate and then you work another part more, like you were saying earlier. So it's like a constant yeah. struggle of like managing load and injuries. And like, there's a lot of ways to do it, like changing your footwear and all that and stuff. And, you know, keeping on top of seeing your physio and working closely with them too. But yeah, yeah. hopefully you can manage it because I'm going through the exact same thing right now. I keep getting injuries in different parts, but yeah, I'm managing it pretty well in the long-term side of things. So yeah, it's good, but... But I was going to say, that's one thing that being injured, I've learned so much from because beforehand, like my mileage before I got injured was probably anywhere from 110 to 120K a week. And I was doubling every day, which is, I mean, that might've been why I got injured. It probably was, but um, I hated having off days or not running. And because my, I, my, I was so negative towards cross training, like I'd never got on the bike or elliptical or swim. But one thing now that I think the injury made me realize and even with like some of the athletes who've had injuries um I know it's like cliche saying less is more because like that's what everyone tells you but until you kind of experience that like I know I didn't really like think that I needed that but I'm doing only like 40 50k a week if that now and only like one session a week if I can do that because I haven't recently because of the post tip stuff but yeah my running like I'm running so much less but like feeling so much better and that's just one thing that yeah and what you're saying like running like you've got it got to be like looking ahead oh like yeah longevity in the sport because you can't run every day twice a day because you will get injured <laughs> or burnt out but yeah that's just one thing that I'm grateful for this injury because I wouldn't have changed my training ways but now I don't I don't worry if I have to not run for a week or instead of run get on the elliptical or the bike so that's just one thing that's, and also help the coaching as well. Like 
some kids I'm like hey try this because I never would have done it before but I'm like hey try it and so yeah it just helped me as an athlete but also as a coach help some of the kids with what they're going through which I wouldn't have done if I'd not got injured <laughs> I don't think so yeah for sure um I feel like there's like so much more we can talk about with you because you've gone through a lot and stuff and I want to go into more detail in a future episode but to kind of wrap up this podcast mm-hmm. obviously I think CMB Running Academy is like really cool you even have like I saw backpacks with the yeah. Mocha logo and their prepped logo yeah <laughs> um, which is so cool um but just to give a bit of a shout out to that um let's do it in a creative way so I'm gonna get Tess to tell the viewers and listeners why <laughs> you should join the CMB Running Academy and then I'll let Caitlin explain where you can reach out to her and stuff like that so Tess why should people join the CMB Running Academy um, you should join the CMB Running Academy because it's not all um serious. It's like lots of fun, just making, I guess, lifelong friends um, and just being able to trust your coach and have just normal conversations, not just about running. Um, yeah, it's not all just about running and yeah. And Caitlin, where can people find your running academy and how can people reach reach out to you um we're on instagram <laughs> so <laughs> i think on there's like a link in that that has like another link to the facebook page so facebook page as well um and a website but people usually just message me on instagram or like on facebook or on like the website there's like a inquiry box thing um so yeah, either of those, it's the name on Instagram and Facebook and the website is just CMB Running Academy. Um, but yeah, anywhere on theirs, just message me and I'll probably get back to you very quickly. <laughs> cool, sweet. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on the pod. I definitely want to do part two sometime um, down the line, but thanks yeah, a Thank lot. you very much. It was, it was really fun. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs>